Welcome to the first installment of our podcast, Above the Standard. I'm Chris Hagan, and the hope of this podcast is to find and talk with individuals who aim to make our industry better. On our first episode, we're going to talk about the missing link to our success, nutrition. My guest today is Maureen Stockline. Maureen is a 20-year firefighter paramedic, registered dietitian. She's completed the Boston Marathon, Ironman, and she's the official dietitian for the New York Mets. Ladies and gentlemen, all-around healthy badass, Maureen Stockline. Possible. So, uh, so Maureen, uh, tell me kind of how you got started um, in in the in the fire service and um, you as a uh, registered dietitian and 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 like that. All right. Um, so I've been a dietitian for 25 years and a firefighter for 20 years. So I started out um, obviously as a dietitian and. I worked as a clinical dietitian, and so that involved me working in a hospital and um, seeing, um, I primarily worked with cardiac rehab patients, um, and then also some weight loss education and some diabetes education. So I did that for a couple of years, and I found that I was getting a little bit burnt out of of a fairly repetitive form of nutrition that I was kind of wrapped into at that time. And so um, in college, I went to Madonna University, which is in Livonia, Michigan. And while I was there, I played volleyball. So I've always been an athlete. Um, I played basketball and volleyball and softball in college, or not in college. I only played volleyball and softball in college. But in any event, I played the other all three in high school. So I felt like I was missing um, the more physical aspects of a job. So I um, was looking for something that would involve a little bit more teamwork, a little more camaraderie, and obviously a little bit more physical activity. Um, so the profession of, of uh, the fire service was really attractive to me for that reason. So um, at the time, I decided to go back to school. I went to um, the fire academy, got through that, and then realized you also have to be a paramedic. So I went to paramedic school. I worked as a dispatcher for a year and a half while I was um, in paramedic school. And then um, I was able to transition right onto the fire department. Um, so I'm a full-time firefighter in Canton Township. I've been on the department for 20 years. And um, I sort of got a little bit out of nutrition, um, not out of it personally, but out of practicing as a dietitian um, when I became a firefighter. And that wasn't for any other reason other than I just kind of was tired of preaching nutrition to everyone else. Um, I felt like I was really kind of preaching to the choir, like maybe people aren't as into food as I was into. Um, And so I kind of got away from it a little bit. Um, And that is until about five or six years ago when I transitioned kind of my own personal training. Um, I did a lot of endurance training prior to about five or six years ago. I had run, you know, several marathons and I did the Boston Marathon and I did an Ironman and I really kind of pounded and pounded and pounded away at my body. And I found as I got older, um, first of all, I wasn't probably practicing a hundred percent of what I probably preached as far as nutrition goes for myself. Um, But I also found that my body was sort of starting to break down a little bit. Um, I think it was because of all the repetitive kind of motions that I was doing with endurance exercise. So in event, I tried, uh, I transitioned into more strength training. And uh, when I did that, I transitioned over to a facility um, called Barwis Methods, and they are a training facility. They have a facility in Plymouth, Michigan. They also have a facility, two of them actually, in Florida. 
And so when I started to train there, um, this is a really cool place. They train um, professional athletes. They train college athletes. They train high school athletes. They train rather regular uh, people like myself. And then they also um, do a lot of neurological reengineering. So there's folks in there that are basically learning to walk again. So what I really loved about that facility was that it was very inspiring. So you had all this kind of different, really uh, motivated people all under one roof and we all kind of feed off of each other. So you've got pro athletes that are encouraging people who are just learning to take their first steps again. Um, and also encouraging, you know, people like myself that are just trying to keep up with the younger people in my department, to be honest. Um, so when I started to do that, I found that they did not have a dietitian on staff. And I thought that was really a missing component of their facility. So I approached Mike Barwis, who's the owner, and um, asked if he would be interested in maybe having um, a dietitian on staff that could kind of help some of the athletes that were there, because that's really where my passion was with sports nutrition. I'm old, and so I feel like when I went through school, sports nutrition really wasn't a, uh, a big and popular um, part of nutrition. Um, I wish it would have been because I probably would have gotten into it right away. Um, but now it is really kind of an up and coming thing with all aspects of, uh, you know, most professions really. Um, but especially with, with athletes, they're really starting to um, find that nutrition can be the missing link to maybe bringing them to the next level. So they also needed someone to kind of cook food for some of the athletes that were there. So I started doing some meal prep for some of the, of the athletes that were there and it just kind of all snowballed into this really cool opportunity. Um, I always say that, you know, so much of what we do in life is, is by being kind to people and treating people with respect um, from all walks of life. And I really feel like that's the principle that's kind of carried me through to, to get as far along as I have with, with my career in nutrition, especially, but Mike Barwis also um, does some off season. He was doing some off season conditioning with um, the New York Mets because his facility down in South Florida, yes, two, one of which is attached to the um, uh, spring training facility for the Mets. So through him, I found out that the um, the Mets were looking for a dietitian, and I was able to apply for the job. And you know, like I said, just from all the contacts that I had made along the way, it worked out. And so now I have this dual role as a full time firefighter, and I also still continue to see clients at Barwis Methods. But I also am the dietitian for the New York Mets, which has been a really really great opportunity. Um, so that's kind of brings me to where I am today. That is. Probably one of the coolest side hustles. Um, <laughs> I know. To, I, <laughs> I do kind of joke with the guys at work. I think, man, they're really going out grinding, doing all these home improvements and, um, you know, really physical jobs. Because, you know, most firefighters do have a side hustle, which is really cool. Um, but I, I always brag to them and tell them that I think I have a cooler side hustle. And, you know, for so long, I kind of would go into the station and they all know that I'm a dietitian. Um, and, you know, firefighters come from all different backgrounds. And so some of them practice all different, obviously backgrounds of nutrition too. So I think the, the kind of the thing that has made them start to actually listen to me and ask me questions was when I got hired by the Mets. I'm like, I've been here for 20 years. Like no one cared what I had to say, but all of a sudden now that I work for the Mets, you're willing to listen. I love it. Um, but either way, it's, it's really a great combo. <laughs> that's, yeah. That that's, yeah. Erase your entire history. It's it's that minute that the Mets basically signed you, and they're like, "Well, <laughs> she she gets it." 
she she, she must know what she's she talking must about. know something. We should <laughs> we should tap into that. Right, um, that's very funny. <laughs> so, um, I guess in in terms of like the the, st- the station life, I can't imagine um, your background and and you said you were getting kind of tired of of, of, of preaching um, nutrition and. I, I, I can only imagine that that being not only a a, a, a dietitian and, and telling um, a bunch of men you know being a, a female in a largely male industry uh, that trying to correct nutritional behavior um, amongst the people around you that 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 couldn't have been um, very easy but is that really what took it to the other level? Did, did that create the buy-in was with the with with the New York Mets, or did you struggle with this um, kind of up until that point during during your career? Did you just get to this point where, you know, I'm I'm kind of over it. Eat what you want. You know, just you know, make sure you pull me out of a fire if it goes if it goes wrong. <laughs> um, I think you know when I first got hired into the department, there was another we had another female that worked there and she had already kind of set the tone. She was very strong um, and very um, instrumental in kind of paving the way for me, which was really helpful. And she's since continued on and now she's a fire chief. So she, I feel like my opportunities in, in Canton have been um, maybe a little different than some other females um, experience on an all, obviously an all, a male dominated uh, uh, department. Um, but I've always taken pride and made it my mission to retire in better shape than I started my career in because I do see and I did see that that uh, certainly is not typically the case for for firefighters. I saw and I continue to see people get hired on departments and then kind of they're in halfway decent shape when they start and then they kind of go through, you know, life and it beats them down and the job beats them down and then, you know, you whether it's you pack on weight or you just become fairly unhealthy. So for me, I think I've led by example, and now I'm, I'm one of the senior or I'm one of the more senior people on my department, and I think they see what I do. And I've really tried to make that my mission is to even if they're not going to listen to me, they're going to see what I'm doing. So I pack my own food every day. And I know, uh, and I can talk a little bit more about that, but I know food is a big, you know, a cultural part of, of being a firefighter, but um, I still eat. We still eat together. Um, I I'm at a station where there's just four of us right now. So, you know, the nature of that is that the squad, our ambulance runs, you know, they're busy and I'm an engine driver. So I'm not, our meal times aren't always together, unfortunately, but when they are, we, I eat together. I just bring my own food or else I volunteer to cook the food for us. But with four people, you know, it's a little bit different than cooking for an entire group. Um, so I've really tried to pride myself on leading by example and not preaching to people. And what I found is that they then turn and come to me with questions and they'll ask about what I'm eating or ask about some of the vitamins I might be taking. The other thing that I also do is I try and, um, you know, work out on duty when it's possible, but I also work out a lot on my off days. And so it's sort of this lifestyle that they know Mo does this and Mo eats this way and, you know, every now and then I take a little bit of razzing about it, but I think in the long run, it's made a big um, impression on, on my department, especially at my station. They know when I come in, if there's a counter full of foods that um, fall under the category of empty calories, I clear them out and I just get rid of them because we all know if food is sitting out at a station and it's not food that serves us, um, we're going to graze on it until it's gone. 
Um, and I've always, I always laugh that once you cut into something and you kind of slice a few pieces out, it'll continue to kind of go. Or, you know, people will whittle away at a donut, you know, instead of just eating the whole donut, they'll whittle away at it as though it doesn't add up to the same amount of calories. So <laughs> it's it's sort of funny, but they know, like, oh, Mo's coming in. We better grab what we want because the rest is going to go away. So I try and help in that way, too, although they don't always consider it helping. Um, but I also try and, and also know that I'm, you know, the way I do things, it maybe isn't the best for everybody and not everybody's at that same point in their life to, or ready to make a commitment to, to that kind of lifestyle. So I also, um, try and just talk about really simple, easy things that can be done that make a big impact on your long-term health. So even when, um, more recently I've started to go out to a lot of different departments so I go out to police departments and to fire departments and just try and basically implement three simple changes. And the first one is to make sure that we're thinking about hydration, um, because obviously that is really important for firefighters. Um, the second thing that I talk about is eating more fruits and vegetables, because that's going to increase our micronutrients, which in turn helps to uh, boost our immune, our immune system. It helps with recovery from day to day, because a lot of what we do is very repetitive day to day. Um, and then it also helps to just kind of increase the, the nutrient density and the overall value of the foods that we eat throughout the day. Um, and then the last thing is just to try and reduce, um, or eat less processed food. So eating food in its most natural form, relying less on, you know, packaged food, macaroni and cheese, and, you know, some of the, a lot of the foods that, you know, quite honestly, you see a lot around the fire station because they're quick and easy. So I feel like if I can just preach those three principles, that those three things are going to make a big impact on um, the longevity and the overall health of, of both police and firefighters and just being prepared and, you know, kind of having food ready to go rather than relying on, oh, shoot, we haven't eaten in six hours. Let's stop and get, um, for lack of a better example, a pizza <laughs> <laughs> um, or something that's really quick and easy that that is just 100% due to not having food prepared and ready to go. And that's kind of, that's one thing that I think, one thing I found too, that if I can identify something in my department, I know if it's not every department, it's most departments are having a similar problem or they know a department that's that, that's doing it. So that's actually one of the, the things that I love probably the most about the fire service is is how grand it is, but how close of a circle that we all have the same people. We all have the same people yes. in 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 our in our fire department. We have those that are motivated. Those are that that are kind of they're they're not unmotivated, but they're not they're not driving at something. And we have the people that have kind of been set in their ways. Um, and 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 really every single personality. The, you know, the only thing that in my mind that's truly unique to the fire service is the each individual pe like people in dna that make up the firefighter other than that mm -hmm. we, we all have the same personalities and one thing i think that is most uh rampant uh that 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 i've seen and i've talked to is i guess the underconsumption of water and the overconsumption of soft drinks um mm -hmm. I, particularly like i think mountain dew is the most favorite a pop soft drink of uh, of of the firehouse. If they were to NASCAR brand our industry, it'd probably be that sticker, um, in in, in, a, in a popularity choice. So, what I wanted to ask you, if you could take in in, in really kind of rudimentary terms, but um, what is the 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 health impact on your body um, 
for for firefighters for firefighting um for someone that's consuming water throughout the day and even prior to their shift um versus one that is is being consumed with 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 pop with with soda and, and how that is going to um interact inside your body to to either help you or hurt you uh when 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 the alarm goes off for for that fire well first of all i think that um an important thing for firefighters especially to remember is that firefighters are athletes and i think that's one of the things that i've found to be um really cool with both jobs that i have is there's just so much alignment with how professional athletes prepare and how firefighters prepare for or should prepare for their shift you know the difference being a a professional athlete knows their game time is going to be one o'clock let's say or 7 p.m a firefighter doesn't know when that game time is going to be so bringing that back to hydration you know when a when a baseball player arrives at the field we're hoping that they've already had some water to begin with and you know for a a one o'clock game or let's just say a seven o'clock game they get there at one o'clock at the field to start preparing so we're hoping they've already had some sort of drink other than just coffee or or Starbucks on the way in. Um, And then as soon as they get there, we start that process with them of getting them, you know, a hydration product specific to them or just getting them started drinking water. And then hopefully come game time at seven o'clock, they're ready to go. Now a firefighter starts shift typically around seven or eight o'clock. So we have to think about how are we going to arrive at the station so that if we catch a fire at seven or eight o'clock, we have some hydration already on board. Otherwise, it's really hard to catch up on that. And we also have to rely on kind of how we prepare the night before or the day before. It's like people who go run a marathon, they're hydrating the entire day before, knowing that they're going to have this kind of dehydrating process that's going to happen during their, their marathon. Firefighters should think the same way, but I don't think we do. So that's just part of what how I try and educate that way. The other thing is that what you mentioned, which is sugary beverages or energy drinks, or even, quite honestly, you know, I think there's some research out there that says that caffeine or coffee doesn't, it used to be that it was a very dehydrating substance, but now, I mean, it's still made out of water. So you're still getting some hydration properties, although it's a diuretic, so it kind of works against it a little bit still. Either way, um, we want to make sure that we're choosing the right beverages for hydration. So the problem with pop and energy drinks is a lot of times, they, I mean, we all know pop is full of sugar. So empty calories. So depending on where you're at with your personal health journey, if you're overweight um, or if you're trying to just improve the overall quality of your of your intake, obviously sugar is something we have to take a look at. Sugar also contributes to chronic disease and to chronic inflammation. So when we talk about inflammation, there's inflammation that we get when we get a cut, which is good. It's a protective inflammation. There's inflammation that we get when we train workout because you get these little micro tears in your muscles and you know that's kind of a good thing because it helps you to to make the muscles more resilient but when it becomes a chronic problem or it's something that we don't manage through our nutrition and through stress management through sleep um, then we can run into chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation leads to chronic disease such as hypertension um, heart disease diabetes obesity cancer so all of these different things can be related to that inflammation and sugar contributes to that inflammation in that chronic inflammatory process. So when I go out and talk to departments, that's another thing that I usually talk about when I'm talking about less processed food. That's a huge change that you can make switching to something that's not just laced with sugar. Quite honestly, we don't want to have more than 25 grams of added sugar a day. 
And when you look at a soda or a pop, there's 35, 40, even like uh, sweetened tea is the same way. Some people think, well, I switched to iced tea, but it's still a sweetened tea. It has just as much sugar as a soda. Even Gatorade, some of the hydration products that we use still have a ton of sugar in them. So I try and get that, that number 25 in your mind so that at least when you look at a label and you look at a soda and you think, oh my gosh, there's 42 grams of sugar in this Coke or in this Mountain Dew, that's twice, almost twice what I'm supposed to have in the day. And maybe you're drinking multiple of those throughout the day, then uh, that's obviously way too much sugar, first of all, but also it's going to contribute to that long-term kind of chronic inflammation that we're talking about. And when we look at our careers as firefighters, you know, we have to work at least 25 years, if not well beyond that. So if we want to retire in a, in a condition that we can enjoy our retirement, enjoy our families, enjoy all the things that we've worked so hard for that 25 years with, um, you know, that obviously over a long period of time, that much sugar is going to just really kind of have a tremendous impact on our um, chronic inflammation and that chronic disease state. So if we drink um, if we drink a, a soda with mm-hmm. 50 grams of sugar in it. Yeah. Where so in the body, I mean what's happening in the body with that extra 25? Where is it going? What's it ha- like why is that extra it's gonna, Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say ultimately it's just an overconsumption of calories. So is sugar evil? Sugar is not evil. It depends on the person and how much how active they are. So for someone who let's just say is an endurance athlete is just plowing through calories throughout the day, I mean, can they drink pop as long as their weight is in check and as long as they're, you know, maintaining other healthy lifestyle habits, then yeah, it is okay for them. And they'll probably utilize those grams of sugar and those carbohydrates for energy. But if you have an individual who is not active, who isn't plowing through calories, and I think we all have those individuals in in our department that kind of sip on pop or drink pop all day long and maybe aren't active at all. And then obesity catches up with you. So all those extra calories, where do they go? They end up being stored as where any extra calories would, whether they come from protein, fat, or carbs, they, they're going to be stored as ultimately excessive weight in the long term. And then that all also contributes to chronic disease. So it depends on the individual and it depends on where they're at as far as their weight and their body mass and all those different kind of things. So that part is, is highly individual. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind too, and I know, um, you know, with a lot of the departments that I've talked to and, and I can speak for my own department, energy drinks are a big, big concern of mine. And the reason for that is because we don't know exactly what's in all of the energy drinks. And I know, and I always say the sleepiest humans I know are the ones that sip on energy drinks all day long because you're looking for that little high or that blood sugar spike. And then you end up crashing. Sugar works the same way. If you're not using that as calories and as, as energy expenditure for activity, then you end up with these highs and lows of, of, of energy throughout the day because you're just not getting that stabilization that you get through high quality food, like lean proteins and carbohydrates that have, Uh, fiber in them. So those are called complex carbohydrates. So we're looking at things like oatmeal, whole grain breads, sweet potatoes, quinoa, you know, the ancient grains, um, beans, legumes, seeds have fiber. So that kind of uh, carbohydrate is going to be a more long acting um, energy and more sustainable source of energy. Uh, Exactly. I mean, that is, um, and, 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 And for the people that don't mean, like, I, I don't want to seem like a, a, a hypocrite here. Like, I am a thousand percent guilty of the of the energy drink, um, you know, 
uh, route. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, hearing someone else in the, in, um, you know, in, in, in the fire service uh, is definitely a lot more humbling to hear than, than reading it or seeing it on um, a kind of a random uh, YouTube video. So, so you're, it's definitely sinking in um, especially um, on, on my end, how, um, more, uh, how much more impactful in a negative way, um, if we take areas like, um, smoking and, and, and tobacco into the overall wellness of, of a human being and, and our, our industry as well. I know chewing tobacco is, is a huge, um, uh, thing in, in, in our, in our industry, how, how does that weave itself into, um, the wellness of, of, of the, of the human body? Well, I think all of whether it's smoking, whether it's tobacco, whether it's overconsumption of sugar, whether it's inactivity, I mean, they all are, you know, have a, our alcohol abuse, uh, lack of sleep. They all have a profound impact on our, on our long-term health. Um, so the less of those habits we can embrace that, you know, the better off we're going to be obviously, but I know culturally in the fire service, I know that, you know, if it wasn't smoking, it seems like it's kind of switched from smoking cigarettes to chewing tobacco. And I know it's, it's really common. Like you said, departments are, are almost identical anywhere you go. It's just different characters that are different people that play the roles. Um, so it's still going to obviously have a, have a profound impact on our overall health. So what I try and encourage is is simple changes and, and tackling one thing at a time. I mean, you don't want to go in and and I we have people that have tried to give up everything all at once, and that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, one thing at a time and, and baby steps, I think, is a good good route. But um, you know, any little change that you make can be a big change with your long term health. Um, and so, whether it's reducing sugar, whether it's uh, the chewing tobacco, uh, whether it's smoking, any, any little thing that you can do to modify that is going to have, you know, tremendous impact in the long term. But let me back up for just a second with energy drinks. Yeah, do it. I keep do going it. Do on it. These, no, do I it. I go on these standards with energy drinks because they just, they scare me. Like I said, the, the reason is because there's just all these different blends of ingredients that are in there. Our jobs are stressful and they play, uh, and you know, the stress and the impact on our heart is already great enough. I know like hearing a tone in the middle of the night when you're in the middle of your deepest sleep, I mean, it sets your heart into a, into, you know, just a, a frenzy. Um, but when you have all of these other stimulants on board um, and a lot of the energy drinks have, you know, there's studies that show that caffeine um, is very helpful for uh, working out and training and, and can help your, your um, training sessions. But the research, you know, shows that it's 150 to 200 milligrams of caffeine, which is like one to one and a half cups of coffee. A lot of the energy drinks will have 300, 400, you know, maybe you drink a couple of them. Now you're looking at 600 milligrams of caffeine. Um, One thing to keep in mind is that caffeine has a half-life of six hours. So if you're consuming all of this caffeine throughout the day, it's no wonder you can't sleep at night. So some people say, well, I have a lot of trouble falling asleep or staying asleep. I mean, the first area I always look is how much caffeine have you consumed? Energy drinks taste like soda or like pop, so it's easy to hammer down quite a few of them. And then who knows what's going to happen with your day and the events that might occur. The other thing with energy drinks is there's a lot of proprietary blends. So companies don't have to always tell you exactly what's in their products. So we don't know all the herbs and different things that might be in there. So there's some caution to be had there as well. 
the other thing is the kind of the combination of caffeine and taurine and maybe B vitamins and all the different things that are in there can also negatively impact your heart and cause dysrhythmias. So when you throw all of the energy drinks in, all of the grams of sugar, and then you throw on a really stressful event like a fire or a medical call that's stressful or whatever it might be that we encounter through our day, I mean, that can be a real recipe for, for disaster for a firefighter. Um, so that's one area I think we really need to, to examine is kind of how much caffeine we're consuming. It's, it's tradition to have coffee brewing all day at the fire station and coffee in its most natural form is probably the best for, sor- source of caffeine to have. However, it's really easy to overconsume on it too. And we're just kind of like sipping on it throughout the entire day. And then, like I said, the other thing you have to remember is sleep can be one of the most important things for us as firefighters or as an athlete or as, as a human being. And in order to achieve that kind of sleep um, what hygiene, caffeine can negatively impact that as well. So, so uh, kind of a two-part question. What, from, from your perspective and, and your experience and, and your expertise, what's the fire service doing right in terms of health, wellness, nutrition, mindfulness, and, and where do we stand to make the biggest changes um, and, and, and get better at. So, so what are we doing good right now? And then where do we stand to make the greatest leap and improvement, uh, in the future? So I think that the, um, the main, one of the really big focuses with the fire service right now is mental health. And I think that that's really important, obviously, is taking care of our mental health. Um, and I think there's also been, uh, for, for quite some time now, a push to increase physical health. So fitness, um, I, think that nutrition is something that's really lacking uh, right now. And it's not for any reason other than I just don't think there's been someone to get out there and really kind of preach the word. I took the peer fitness class. Uh, I think it was, through, it was through the IAFF and nutrition was just a really short, you know, probably 20 to 30 minute spiel of, of what was, I think, a two or three day class. Um, and I think that nutrition plays such a big role with not only physical fitness, but it also plays such a huge role with mental health. I feel like there needs to be more of a push with, with the nutrition part of things. Um, and that I, I noticed that the IAF at now, IAFF now has um, a nutritionist that's working and kind of sending out a lot of material in that, in that direction um, to help and improve or at least increase awareness of nutrition. But I think when you look at the overall picture of a, of a firefighter, nutrition can have the most impact um, along with sleep hygiene, um, when it comes to both our physical and our mental health. So if that could be a push that we make uh, in our individual departments, and like I said, it can just be simple changes, and it can just be, I developed this um, firefighter's performance plate, you know, nutrition, or uh, athletes have an athlete's performance plate, so I developed a firefighter's performance plate. So that's something I hope to push out um, not just to my department, but to any of the departments I go speak to, just because it's a visual of how should your plate of food look versus how does your plate actually look. Um, and it's where half of it is vegetables and a quarter of it is lean proteins and a quarter of it is complex carbs. Um, we tend to overeat on, on portions um, more than anything. And then ultimately what happens when we sit down after a big meal is we catch a fire or we catch a big event and now we're so stuffed it's hard for us to even function. And what's the load on our body when we have that heavy meal and two minutes later we're going out to perform a, a probably really physical task? Athletes don't do it, so why do firefighters do it? Um, so, you know, trying to have a culture of smaller, more frequent meals, fueling throughout the day when you can, 
um, but never getting to the point where you feel overstuffed and sluggish because that's obviously going to be detrimental to our, our performance. Um, so I, I feel like if there's a way to push more nutrition, not just because I'm a dietitian, but just because it's what I see when I go out, there's just so much misinformation. Um, whether you follow Instagram or you follow Facebook, I think Facebook's for old people now, but it, through any of those feeds, you see all kinds of nutrition misinformation. Um, and then you see firefighters that are following different types of misinformation, whether they're trying to follow a ketogenic diet or they're intermittent fasting or they're cutting carbs out completely, whatever it is, you know, eliminating food groups isn't the best thing for someone who's, it might work for someone in the short term. And it might work for someone who, like you said, in a fire department, we've got extremes. We've got people who are super fit, super dialed in, super in tune with their bodies. So maybe a ketogenic diet works great for them. But you also have someone who's maybe nowhere near that level, sees the results that this super dialed in firefighter has and tries to mimic that just through the diet. And that can also be a recipe for disaster because that's maybe not the right thing for them. Um, so just simple changes and not overcomplicating nutrition in the fire department, I think, is, is where we need to start. It, and part of your classes that, that I saw that you've, you've done with other like police departments and, and fire departments is the, incorpor- and the, the incorporation of yoga. Um, it, why, why do you find that a, a good benefit to, to weave in um, aspects of, of yoga uh, in addition to um, the the wellness, is this part of a more mindfulness, mental health um, approach to it as well? Exactly. So I've partnered up with a, with a yoga teacher, and her name is Sarah, and we have combined our class. So mindfulness comes into play with obviously all aspects of our life, but also with food and nutrition and being mindful of how we're fueling ourselves. But my main focus for that was just trying, for me, one of the biggest struggles that I had um, as a new firefighter was um, the alarm that would go off in the middle of the night or the, you know, the, the tone that was going off in the middle of the night. I was having a little bit of a challenge dealing with bringing my heart rate down when that was occurring, you know, the tone would go off and my heart rate would just be through the roof. And I thought, this is crazy. How am I going to survive 25 years with this surge, you know, several times throughout the night? Um, so I started practicing yoga because I was looking for another way of just um, kind of increasing my flexibility and um, just changing up some of my exercise routines. So what I found by practicing yoga was that I learned how to control my breath and to really engage the parasympathetic nervous system pretty quickly through, you know, I've been practicing yoga for probably about 10 years now, but um, one of the main focuses of the yoga practice is, is your breath. So if you can walk out of a class and have, have learned nothing or not increased your flexibility one bit, but you've learned how to manage and control your breath, it can really uh, have a profound impact on not only your your mental health, but your physical health. Um, And so for me at the fire station now, when the tone goes off, I just automatically kind of engage into this like counted breath that I learned in yoga. So that was what inspired me to um, involve yoga with with the classes that we go out and and teach. just so that people can have this awareness. I think people think yoga is a strange kind of religious practice a lot of times and they've never tried it. They're not flexible, so they don't want to try it. Um, So this has been a really great exposure because I think people find not only are they not flexible at all, but they don't know how to even breathe properly. Um, So it can really 
once again, when you're looking at our overall health of a, and longevity of a firefighter, learning how to engage that parasympathetic nervous system in a really kind of regimented way automatically by practicing it can be really a, a great tool to have. And what's been the response from um, the, uh, I know, I think you just did the Livonia Police Department, or I don't know how long ago this was, but what's been the response when you, when you go through, you, you go through it and you have uh, the participation? What's been the response, the reaction, uh, the buy-in to it? Well, I'll be honest. So when I first, I, when I initially started going out to departments, I had partnered with a chef, and so it was me and a chef that went out. So we did a cooking demonstration, and, and for the fire service, that was really, you know, a great thing to have her kind of teaching. So that's another thing that that I like to do. Um, but when I started to uh, combine the yoga, and my the reason I did that was to kind of create a half training day rather than just having me there for an hour you know departments like to have a full kind of training day out of you so rather than preach nutrition for four hours I thought if we combine this yoga it'd be two hours of nutrition and two hours of, of mindfulness where you actually get to physically move your body and I thought for me I'd much rather sit through that and actually do something than sit through a powerpoint or some sort of video because we all know we've sat through those and it's like oh my gosh just get me out of here let me move my body so Initially, the response is, oh, they're really looking forward to nutrition, but I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of the guys and women don't want to do yoga, so you may not get participation. I thought, that's cool. I, I get it. Um, and I think that's another advantage to being a firefighter going out to departments because I, I get it. I've gone through 20, 20 years of training, and I, I there's always trainings I don't want to do. But in any event, um, even to the point where I've had department chiefs call me and say, Hey, listen, can we just mix the, the yoga all together and let's just do the nutrition. And I've been really adamant on, no, we're going to do it. And I don't care if they sit in a chair for that two hours. I don't care if they just stare at us for two hours. They're going to at least be in the class. And actually the, the yoga has ended up being the favorite part. There's a lot of like, you know, laughing and kind of like, you know, typical, police yeah. and fire department stuff that goes on during that time and sarah um has a police background she has a police and fire background in her family so she's fully aware of how to manage that um and it's really a lot of fun so they learn the breathing and they do the stretches and they kind of feed off of each other and i would have to say they probably enjoy that more than the nutrition part but it's really been well received despite the initial no way we're not doing yoga and i think that's you know, Sarah usually throws that right out at the beginning of class. Why don't you want to do yoga? Or why haven't you ever tried yoga? And it's the same kind of answers. It's because it's religious or it's, um, you know, all women that do it. Or which, you know, I thought, you guys are crazy. You're going to the gym to meet women. You should be going to yoga class. <laughs> um, and then the other thing is that they just aren't flexible, so they don't want to do it. Um, but at the end of the class, they all feel great. You know, they've, they've at least got some sort of breathing technique or or, or taken something from it that I think will help them in the long term. So what's your advice to someone that is really in, in, in your position or is in a, a position in their firehouse where they, they, they want to um, envelop uh, these techniques. They want to improve sleep. They want to improve health. They want to, um, you know, to some degree improve their physical fitness as well. You know, where, where do you believe or where would you recommend the starting point to be um, for people that want to make these changes in, in their own department? So I think that in this area, obviously I'm in this area, so I, I, I'm not 
trying to sell myself, but I, I, I am happy to come out and talk to any department. Um, I know right now with the coronavirus and the COVID um, precautions that actually has um, Oops, are you there? Yep. Yep. Sorry. Um, I think that that's obviously put the put the hold on a lot of training, whether it's nutrition training or any other type of training. Um, but I also think that reaching out as far as for the nutrition part, reaching out to um, the local colleges and universities, most of them have a dietitian, a sports dietitian on staff. Um, and I think as long as you have um, a dietitian that's sports minded, that can come out and talk and then just try and implement some of the simple changes um, as far as nutrition goes. Um, I think the other great resource is, is, like I said, through the IAFF. I think that they've got some great resources for um, uh, instructors or um, resources as far as like um, uh, educational material. Um, but I really think that having a couple of people, so whether it's a health and wellness committee that it just embraces a few of the changes, I think the, the best thing is to lead by example and just kind of have people see what you're doing and then they start to ask questions and then they can, you know, kind of form a little bit more of a group. At least that's what we've done in our department. Like when I'm at the station, I try and organize just small groups of exercises and uh, some training groups. And then I've put up the athlete's plate around the station so that there's some of these visuals around and then they ask questions about that. Um, but I think just kind of keeping it a current topic at the station is also um, helpful in order to try and get some discussions going about things. Um, is that kind of what you're looking uh, no, for? Uh, no, 100%. I, I just give a – yeah, no, that was perfect. That was uh, – and I didn't even think about reaching out to universities. But my experience has been with a lot, a lot of universities, uh, especially if you're connected to a, a – a public safety entity, um, they are more than willing to to help and get involved with you um, because our, our industry is so unique that they have the same want, the same desire, and, and they're in a university, a teaching element that a lot of times that I have found, it fits in so well to to our industry and and i would be hard pressed i mean maybe now with 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 covid19 and and the issues happening right now worldwide it might be a, a little difficult but i would again i would be hard pressed to believe there wouldn't be a a university professor or dietitian connected to a university that wouldn't wouldn't at least offer a reply email they have i have found uh, a lot of great resources in um, universities um, across the country yeah, I agree. And I think there's also a lot of uh, local dietetic associations, like the Michigan Dietetic Association has a website, has all kinds of dietitians listed on there. Um, I know one of the challenges, though, is a lot of times I feel like when you have an outside instructor come into a fire department, you, you kind of want your own people in there, I think is, is common uh, because they get it. Um, and, but I do feel like when, as far as nutrition goes, when you bring in a sports dietitian, because like I said, firefighters are athletes. Um, I don't think that every firefighter embraces that mindset, although we should, um, that kind of is, is a comparable thing. So when you have a dietitian from the university of Michigan come in, I mean, the university, especially the, the big universities have a whole team of dietitians typically that work with their athletic department or they have graduate students. Um, but either way, the, the information is is very similar that would be preached, you know, to an athlete and to a fire firefighter. 
Um, but I think the first thing is to get the the crew to embrace the mindset that we are athletes and we should be training like athletes and we should be fueling like athletes and we should be sleeping. Although at the station, that's not always the, the, the case like athletes. But I also think there's a lot of other firefighters that are out there that um, are, are, have got a similar mission, maybe not with nutrition, but with sleep or with fitness. And I know um, there's a, another female that's from the Chicago area. Annette is her name, Annette Zapp. Um, she, I think her Instagram handle is Fire Rescue Fitness. Um, but she specifically trains firefighters, and she does a lot of work with mental health, and she does a lot of work with um, uh, sleep and sleep recovery. So I know that there's those resources out there. I feel like we need to all network together and just kind of <laughs> branch out a little bit more. But I think it's just a matter of linking in with some of those those resources too. And if if somebody wanted to like ask, like get your get your opinion, get your, how how could, if if that's something that you would like, how how could they get in contact with you? Just through would you like through social media or Instagram or, or what? What would be an easy way if someone had a question? Um, um, I would say probably through social media is, is the easiest way. Um, I'm on both Facebook, I guess for older people <laughs> and myself and Instagram. And it's just my name, Maureen Stockline with an RD after, um, uh, for registered dietitian. Um, that would probably be the easiest way, but I certainly would love to be a resource and I can also help, you know, kind of navigate to other resources that I have available. I've also been trying to train a, a few local dietitians to go out and do the same thing. And with my baseball travel schedule, um, I had to do that because I had some, some, uh, uh, instruct, uh, what do you call it? Courses that had already been set up and then baseball started. And so I have been able to train a couple of other dietitians to go out and do that, which has been great. Um, so I certainly would love to be a resource for, for anyone that, and, that would need some nutrition guidance. <laughs> and of course, to, uh, 2020 would would go this way uh did i read correctly that you got a classroom session uh, at fdic i did yes so i applied and and was all set to speak uh in april and then uh yeah so the the coronavirus took over that too <laughs> unfortunately canceled the fdic but hopefully they'll just keep the same group coming back to speak next year is my hope um so if if firefighters are interested in in sitting in 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 that classroom session at fdic if it's going to be this year i mean more than likely it's going to be next year um what uh what what's your classroom session under um what's the title of it um gosh i'm trying to think of the i knew you were going to ask this to the exact title the 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 information that was going to be discussed was more or less controlling the controllable factors so there's so much in our career that is not in our control um, or in our profession that I, I was really going to focus on um, taking control of something that we can control, which is the food we put into our mouth um, and how it impacts our, our longevity of our career. And then like I talked about earlier, um, how it can increase our um, enjoyment in our retirement years. Um, so really just trying to uh, get through, um, our career as a firefighter and be able to enjoy our um, our retirement rather than what the statistics show, which is that we, we end up dying early if we don't control these things just because of the nature of the stress of our job and the, the chronic diseases that, that we're susceptible to. Well, we'll make sure, um, that's one thing I'm going to make sure we put on there is not only a, a link to your uh, your social media handle, but also 
um, information and a link to the, the FDIC information to make sure people that know that they're going there that there's now this new level of information that probably wasn't there before because I, I know talking to you before it was kind of a, a, a long road for you to get involved with FDIC and um, you know I'm so glad that you got it it just sucks that this year of course the year you get it it's it's uh, coronavirus season so um, but uh, Maureen I, I can't thank you enough for sitting in and talking with me and um, uh, again uh, I appreciate all the all that you're doing to make our industry uh, better, safer, healthier. Uh, it, it, it's definitely um, probably the the one of the last elements that we are truly missing to actually make a healthier fire service. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for inviting me. <laughs> awesome. I hope you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and thank you to the guests that come on. Be sure to follow Barbell Battalion on Facebook and Instagram. Donate to a great charity around you and support your local homeless shelter. Until next time.